When I called up Chris Escobar, he was at work in downtown Atlanta. He owns an old movie theater called The Plaza. It's got one of those big marquees and a neon sign. But right now, there's no one buying popcorn. No projector flickering. Where, where are you sitting? So I, I keep oscillating between, I'm, I'm sitting um, at a little high boy table in front of the bar area, uh, just past the concession stand. But I'm, I'm walking around a little bit, as I tend to do while I'm having conversations about this whole situation. And I pace uh, <laughs> and I'll walk up and down the aisles of the empty auditorium. This whole situation is the coronavirus, of course. The plaza's been closed for more than a month. It feels like uh, like the room misses people to be here, honestly. Yeah, it feels like you miss people, too. I do. I really do. I heard the theater's known for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We are. So we're not just known. I mean, it's become an Atlanta tradition. It's on the bucket list. Like, of all the things you need to do if you're an Atlantan, it's come to Rocky Horror. And I like to say for people whose religion is movies... The plaza is their temple, and service isn't Sunday mornings. It's Fridays at midnight for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This theater sells more tickets to the Rocky Horror Picture Show than any other theater in the country. At least 100 people are in the audience every week, four times that in October. They all dance along with a live cast who are doing their own synchronized floor show. Nothing messes with Rocky Horror Picture Show, ever. But apparently the coronavirus tried to. Yeah, tell me, tell me what the last show was like. Well, the last show in person was rather grim. We had maybe 30 people here. And it was where, that's where it got real. We started seeing people were nervous. You know, people were not only trying to keep their distance or, you know, like everyone's like looking at what everybody else is doing. <laughs> and, and I mean, you felt it, honestly. And they, this, the cast and crew especially, you know, they knew something was looming. And they, and they told me, they said, look, we're willing to do this as, as long as you are and as long as we feel like our folks are safe. But we knew there was, you know, times were changing for sure. A few days later, the Plaza Theater sent most of its staff home. If this theater is a kind of church, Chris is its pastor walking up and down the pews every few days, trying to figure out what to tell his congregation. Especially now that the governor is saying it's time for businesses like his to reopen. Today on the show, what opening the state back up again really means in Georgia. It's forcing Chris to make some big decisions. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chris, why a movie theater? Why do you own a movie theater? Uh, because it needed to be protected. 
there were people who wanted to buy it and turn it into something else. And much like people before me, I could not stand by and see that happen. So I did all I could do, which was, you know, take a big amount of risk, put a few people together with me and I bought it. The last several owners of the plaza, honestly, have been people who did not have delusions of grandeur in that uh, they're going to make it rich in an industry that has, you know, less ticket sales historically since 1939. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's not a movie theater, it's this movie theater. Did you grow up around this theater? I was originally born in Miami, but I moved to Georgia, I like to say, as, as fast as I could. I, I, I've been here more than half my life, over 20 years, and I'm very much a product of Georgia. I went to public high school, Chapel Hill High School in Douglas County. I was able to go to Georgia State University, which has one of the only film programs in the state and one of the oldest film programs. Um, did my master's there as well, all while, I mean, I've been working full-time professionally for since I was 17. <laughs> um, hmm. But I, uh, because of my grad school time at Georgia State, I got involved with the Atlanta Film Society. And then because of my involvement with the Atlanta Film Society, I got involved with the Plaza Theater, uh, which I had honestly never even stepped in the doors of before then. And that was 2011. And the rest, as they say, is history. The Plaza Theater in Atlanta, it's been around since 1939. Chris has operated it for the better part of a decade. He even held his late father's funeral services here. When you hear Chris talk, you can feel his deep connection to this place and its history. So when he saw Governor Brian Kemp's order allowing businesses to open back up, he was conflicted. On the one hand, Chris is thinking about the safety of customers and employees. But on the other, he's bleeding money. I do believe he's trying to do what is in his mind the best thing for Georgia. I do honestly believe that, even though I think he's going about the wrong way. Which is what? Uh, well, so for one, he hears, he's hearing from so, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the state who are unemployed right now. Keep in mind, like for in the recession, Georgia had some of the highest unemployment rates in the whole country, had some of the highest foreclosure rates in the whole country. So it's been painful. It's been, in, we've, we've, we've had pain, recent pain. Uh, and so he's hearing from people who are going, I was told by the federal government that if I lose my job, just because I'm an independent contractor or I'm a freelancer that I'd be taken care of. And now that's not the case. And they're, and they're furious, rightly so. And the small business owners like me, who've been told, you got to shut down. You got to do the right thing. We got to focus on this pandemic, but don't worry. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We're going to keep you alive. And they feel lied to because what, maybe one in 10 have actually gotten federal support. So they're furious too. And rightly so. And I get that. Right? Like firsthand, I get that. As of the time we recorded this, the plaza is closed. But as Chris starts thinking about when he'll be showing movies again, he's thinking about his staff. From the beginning, he made this choice to be as transparent as he could with his workers, even when he didn't have a lot of answers. Our staff and the people who come here and the building itself, I mean, they're kind of indivisible, which is also why, for instance, as this all started going down, I was not willing to do what all the other movie theaters did, which is cut their staff, put them on unpaid leave and wish them good luck. I wasn't willing to do that. And I said, you know, I don't I, I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't know what, what, you know, what we can do, but all we can do is all we can do. And we're going to figure it out. We're going to do it together. And so I told them, um, before you go on unemployment, you need to, uh, why don't you start drawing from your paid time off? And, mm -hmm. and for some of them, their hours, even though they didn't come into work for three weeks, their paychecks didn't change. 
Yeah, I mean, hearing you talk, it's really clear that you value your staff and you want to do right by them. When did you have to start thinking, I'm going to have to start cutting people's hours here? Well, we we did. And and so this is the thing. It's like, this is what I talk about. That it underlines the importance of managing expectations and being on the same page. So I started, we, we were all in the Slack and I started doing these very comprehensive Slack updates to everybody and telling them, look, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's what I'm working on. And so, for instance, I remember very early on, I said, okay, based on the money we have today, we have enough money where if we don't bring in another dime, I can pay you for three more weeks. If we start doing A, B, C, and D to save money, to start to generate money in other ways, that can be extended. Additionally, I'm working on all these efforts that might bring in funding. That'll also extend. And so as the, as the situation changes and, and, and as we're into two weeks or you know, approaching that period where I told them, here's what, here's what I know, what you can expect at least for this amount of time, then I'd give them another update. Okay, so here's how it's changed. Here's how it's gone. Here's the money we've brought in. Here's the money it's costed us. Here's what is still not going to change or we still don't know. So again, here's what the situation is, at least we think until this date. We'd get a major donation. For instance, we had an incredible patron who donated to us $7,500. It was like, that covers a week and a half of payroll Hmm. by itself. Um, And my number one priority was payroll in terms of expenses. And I was very lucky that the previous owner, who I'm, because I'm still financing the purchase of this theater from the previous owner. And so he was very kind to offer to defer two payments, right? I'm still going to have to pay that money. And so I'm still going to have to make it. Um, but at least that gave me the flexibility and the cash flow to be able to prioritize, you know, paying folks. And so, did you, you know, have to have, did you have to have a moment where you kind of made a list of here is everything I could pay? What am I going to pay this week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, constantly. I'm always updating that list. Yeah. I mean, I'm diving into, into the QuickBooks and going, what's due when or what do I normally pay when? And um, what can I do to start bringing in revenue? One of the things we did was started selling um, plaza passes and vouchers. Like, go ahead and buy a ticket to a future screening TBD uh, of your choosing. And people started buying those. And we probably sold like $2,000 worth of tickets at $13 a piece. So you can do the math. Um, that's mm. awesome, right? <laughs> like, people are going, at the risk of this theater never existing, I'd rather go ahead and buy a ticket to make it but that much more possible that it will. You talked about that list of like, what do you pay? What do you not pay? What if you just not paid? Um, well, so for one, I looked at my local vendors, like the the guy who you know supplies us the bulbs for our projector, um, or the electrician who occasionally has to deal with the mess of an eighty year old building's electri- electrical problem. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking at them the same as my employees. These are these are local people, local business owners. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make them wait for their money. That being said, when there's a mega corporation who, you know, who I I always pay early anyway, like they can wait for their money. They're going to get their money one way or another. If it has to come out of my personal checking account, whatever, they're going to get their money, but I'm going to prioritize paying my people who may not eat if they don't get this paycheck. So film distributors at the back of the list. They took a, yeah. Now they've been getting their money now, slowly. I'm probably one of the only people sending them money frankly, (laughs) Um, because unlike the chains who told their property owners, hey, just so you know, we're not going to be paying rent. I don't have that ability to do that. I don't have the ability to tell people, oh, we're not paying you until TBD. Like, no, 
uh, I have I have no no leverage here because you've got a mortgage. I have a I have a lease. Lease. I have a very expensive, constantly skyrocketing lease that hmm. is already, you know, t- double what it was two years ago. When Chris looks at his lease and his payroll, he kind of understands why the governor is asking small businesses to open back up again. It's just easier. Over the last month, Chris has been trying what seems like a hundred different ways to bring in revenue. He started selling movie popcorn to go. And then he moved the Rocky Horror Picture Show online, called it the Rocky Horror Quarantine Show. He applied for some aid, grants from foundations, the federal government, pretty much anyone he could find. How many how many grants or relief packages do you do you estimate you've applied for? Easily ten. And yeah, I've kind of lost count, but yeah, it's at least ten. The main, the main, I was curious if you had applied for the stimulus funding, the oh, yeah. small business. Yeah. yeah, small business. I haven't heard nothing. The irony is we don't have a big staff. We don't have big payroll, and the payroll protection program is only based on the size of your payroll. And then, even though you're allowed to use a portion of it towards things like rent and utilities, the amount you get is not based on that at all. So if you have skyrocketing rent like I do, I can use it for that, but it's it's not going to, you know, so literally by design, it's it's a Band-Aid. It's not going to be like, oh, okay, well, I, I, I was able to make up at least a sizable amount of the amount of money I would have made to cover all my life. Like, no, not, not even close. It's such a mess. Such a mess. Some people theorize that your governor made this decision because he was worried about how many people were applying for unemployment in your state. And just looking at this fund being depleted. Well, I mean, you're a business owner. Depleted. He's also looking at the people who had been told they would be eligible, but never mind, just kidding. No, you're not. And got the middle finger. Hmm. Um, so he's thinking about those people who are furious. And rightly so. He's thinking about the business owners who are furious. And rightly so. And so he's going, well, I got to do something. And this is one thing I can do is I can get out of the way. He's like, when I don't, if I don't have all the resources to do what needs to be necessary, well, then I can at least get out of the way and let people at least have some legal room to figure something out. And I'm not going to, because he's not encouraging people to bust open the doors and to go and spend money and do, be stupid. He's just going, we're going we're gonna to stop not letting you figure out something. So you're not open now. And it sounds like you don't plan to open this week even. Well, when sort of. Do you, oh, um, well, so when do you plan to open? The weird thing is we've been closed for 40 days. Yeah, I, I haven't worked this hard ever. <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm working seven days a week. And, you know, my, my, uh, my family and kids are very great and very patient. Um, but with any luck, <laughs> um, should all things go well, uh, we're going to start a plaza pop-up drive-in right here in the back of the theater. And we have a 20-foot wide screen. Um, We've figured out all the angles, all the projection, all the logistics. We're going to have 49 cars max. People are going to only buy their tickets online. Um, We're going to scan them. Did you have to go buy a screen? Or did you take the screen from the theater? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. That would be, that's sacred. No. Um, Luckily, I have a 20-foot inflatable professional screen. I have a 6,500 HD projector. I was able to borrow from a good friend uh, an FM transmitter so that we can transmit the audio. Boom. Those are the three things I need. Right now, the rest is figuring out logistics, right? How do I make it where no one ever has to come in contact with anyone that they're not sheltering in place with? <laughs> and so, um, how, you know, what are the sight lines? What are the angles? How do we deal with ambient light? 
What about food? So for instance, we're encouraging people to bring food ideally from a neighboring restaurant. We're going to be providing links of those that are nearby that are doing uh, carryout, which, and they need the business. We're also going to alternatively offer our concessions, but you have to order it online and you'll enter your car number and we'll bring it out to your car, car hop style. Um, we're encouraging people to use the bathrooms before they come in, before they come to the theater. But if you absolutely have to go to the bathroom, we're going to limit the number of people who go into the building to use the restroom, one to the men's, one to the women's, so that no one's in another room, in a room with somebody else uh, at the same time. Um, hmm. So we've thought through every component of this. Daylight savings is in place, so our screenings can't start until like 845, but we're going to try and do two screenings a night. But the beauty is, consider we're in a residential neighborhood. If you're standing outside the parking lot, it just looks like a bunch of cars parked. You would never hear hmm. anything going on. You would never notice anything going on. Because people get the audio through their car stereo. Through the radio. Exactly. Exactly. This is like the Muppet movie where yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. let's put on a show. And then by the end, there's an actual show. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing. Look, I got trained as an independent filmmaker. Everything I've done in my life so far of any note is because I approached it like making a movie. How do I pull off this smoke and mirrors thing with virtually no money <laughs> and, and, and being as insignificant as I am? I do it with favors, with goodwill, with tenacity that makes it possible. I told Chris that when I picture him, it's like that old saying about ducks, how they look calm on the surface, but underneath the water, they are paddling furiously. I wanted to know what it's been like in his head over the last month, the mental strain of all this. He, of course, answered by referencing a movie. I, I keep thinking about the scene in um, Indiana Jones where, have you seen the movie? I have, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So just to quickly remind you, he's looking for um, <laughs> the Holy Grail. His dad, Sean Connery, is on this quest with him. He's overcome all these obstacles on the end, at, you know, in the stereotypical Indiana Jones fashion. And he approaches this opening, like a huge, like endless pit and um the place he needs to get to is you know 40 feet away easily there should be a bridge there but there isn't there is only certain death below and you must hurry and he remembers uh that you have to have faith and his dad is whispering indy believe indy believe and so what he does is he steps out and takes this leap of faith. And lo and behold, uh, it turns out when the camera cuts around, it's an optical illusion, and there actually is a step there that you would only know and catch should you take this leap of faith. And that's kind of me right now. <laughs> I am stepping out and going, I hope people are going to, you know, contribute uh, I'm hoping that any one of these applications or, or a number of them are going to come through. For me to, to panic and give up or to get overwhelmed uh, isn't going to do anybody any good. I, there's too much on the line between the people whose livelihoods are depending on this place. There's too much on the line in terms of culturally what this place means to the community. There's too much on the line in terms of all the people who have either owned this place or have contributed their blood, sweat, and tears to keeping this place open. And so I'm going to keep paddling, to use your analogy, <laughs> and keep doing everything I possibly can. You know, you, you clearly relish history. You are leasing this historic theater in Atlanta. But 
you are like just such a hustler. <laughs> that's Atlanta, though. See, that's the thing. So you got to think about this. Think about the guy who was living out of his car and now is the biggest media mogul on the planet, Tyler Perry. Right? You think about the crazy business owner who sold his family's billboard business and invested all of it into this crazy new technology called cable. And then he turns around and starts buying old movies to show on TV and then starts a 24-hour news network. That's Ted Turner. Right? You think about the, the guy who was born in the house three doors down from where the church's daddy was preaching. And he would go on to be the preacher and then go on to lead the movement that gets America one step closer <clears throat> to the American promise. Dr. King, that's Atlanta. That's Georgia. I'm not from here, but I'm a product of Georgia. Oh. Good, good luck to you. Thank you. I held on. I feel like, <laughs> I know. I feel like it's hard to not be emotional right now. It is. But I'm really grateful for your time. Thankfully, um, I have more... Um, more to be grateful for than to be afraid of good luck out there thank you again take care bye bye christopher escobar is the owner of the plaza theater in atlanta he's also the executive director of the atlanta film society As we do at the end of most shows, I'm going to implore you to give us a call. Tell us what you're seeing out there in quarantine. What's keeping you calm? What do you still have questions about? Let us know. We're at 202-888-2588. Your voicemail could become part of the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Mara Silvers, Daniel Hewitt, and Mary Wilson. We get a lot of editorial support from Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. I'm Mary Harris. I'll catch you back here tomorrow.